Well, it's good to see you all tonight, good to be with you. As James said, my name is Bill Boyce. I'm uh, one of the PCF staff members, and I'm really happy to be with you tonight. Um, so people love, uh, uh, people love um, composing and debating uh, top 10 lists of just about every kind you can imagine, you know, top 10 movies, top 10 worst movies, top 10 novels, uh, rock songs, pizza in Princeton. <laughs> uh, if, if I were to ask you all, or pretty much anyone who knows anything about the Bible, what would be the top 10 most familiar stories from the Old Testament? <laughs> uh, the list would probably include uh, stories like I guess you already said it. <laughs> uh, I include Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, Noah and Ark, Daniel and the Lion's Den, and uh, uh, Jonah and the Whale, of course. Um, it's funny how so many of our, our you know, biblical pictures probably are nothing like what it would have been like, but... Uh, I think the next one is a better capture of the real sense. <laughs> the, way, the way it really happened. Uh, but uh, yes, tonight um, we've been working our way through the minor prophets uh, in order to better understand the heart of God. And tonight we do come to Jonah who of all the prophets is the one who is the most not like the others. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons of why we would say that. First of all, most of the prophetic books are taken up largely with the content of what the different prophets' uh, messages are for the people that they're speaking to. Uh, whereas the book of Jonah is taken up largely with what happened to Jonah. Uh, and as such, it's, it's a historical narrative uh, as much as it is a book of, you know, the words of the Lord. Um, and it's told, uh, those of you who have read it, you know this, in a, in a very vivid uh, style. And it's told to teach us important lessons. Uh, lessons uh, about our own hearts, I think, and we'll see that, and about God's heart. But second, Jonah is unusual among the prophets, uh, also for this reason. He's unusual not for his faithfulness to the Lord, uh, but for his stubborn disobedience. And in that sense, he is portrayed uh, negatively from beginning to end. So we could say in the simplest of terms, the message of the book of Jonah is don't be like Jonah. Um, and... Uh, that's a good takeaway. Uh, but there's more than that, and uh, I hope that we'll see some of that as, as, we, as we dig in. Now, it's a short enough book, I was tempted to read the whole thing, but I won't do that. So I'm just going to read um, some portions, and then we'll refer to the book. So if you have a Bible or an access to a Bible, it would be great for you to sort of be able to look at that at different points. But I'm just going to read from the beginning and the end of the ending of the book right now. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, 
saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And then I'm just going to read the last verse of his short book, chapter 4, verse 11. And this is God speaking to Jonah. He says, Should not I pity Nineveh or have compassion on Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? Father, I pray that as we reflect for a few minutes on this portion of your word, that you would instruct us, that you would convict us, that you would apply it uh, to our hearts, that we might be changed by it. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we'll get more into the, the message of the book. If, if, the way I think about this is thinking about Jonah's heart, his hardness of heart. And so we're... We're first going to consider that in terms of what I just read, that his running away from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah's a prophet. God says, Jonah, I have a job for you. I want you to go preach to this city. And Jonah says, nope. And he goes literally in exactly the opposite direction from Nineveh. And it says repeatedly that he was running from the presence of the Lord. Now... Why would, he, why, why would he do that? Uh, why would a prophet of God do something like that? That's a great question. These events probably happened around 750 B.C., so 8th century B.C. And the people that uh, God is directing Jonah to talk to, the Ninevites are part of the, the, uh, the Assyrian people. And the Assyrians were... I think, you know, one of the reasons Jonah is running away, doesn't want to go to them, is, to put it in the most blunt terms, they were his enemies. Um, he hated them. Assyria was a notoriously cruel nation. And you can find, uh, if, if you Google the cruelty of the Assyrians, it'll take you right to, uh, because they preserved, you know, these, these pictographical records of the ways they tortured people, and it's, it's gruesome. Uh, they were an enemy of Israel, and Jonah may very well have felt that, uh, we, we don't get a strong indication he was in fear for his own life, but he may very well have felt that to preach to Nineveh would have been, in some sense, to give help to the enemy. But further, his, his actions, uh, as, as, they, as they are displayed here, show that he, they also reveal that he had a spirit, and we see this elsewhere in the, in the Old Testament, a spirit that would have been characteristic of at least some of his own people, a spirit of a, a kind of a self-righteous uh, nationalism, um, a refusal to accept the notion that God's saving grace could be or should be extended to people outside of uh, his own covenant people, that it should be extended 
to the Gentiles. And so God would have agreed, uh, Jonah would have agreed with God that the Ninevites were wicked people. He would have agreed that the Ninevites deserved uh, God's judgment. But he refused to preach to them, lest they repent and God have mercy upon them. So he turns around and he goes the other direction um, from Nineveh, doing everything in his power to, to disobey the word of the Lord. And the text makes it plain through the rest of uh, uh, chapter 1 that that is exactly what he is trying to do. He's trying to run away from the Lord and from the Lord's command and the Lord's call upon his life. And I think we have to just stop right there and ask ourselves, you know, what about you and me in that regard? Could we be like Jonah? Um, you know, maybe I think that I am in the center or close to the center of God's will, you know, because, well, I'm a Christian, I'm involved in a lot of Christian activities. I, I do my Bible reading every morning. I go to daily prayer. I attend church. I come to Friday night fellowship. I try to be a good person. I mean, those are all good things, but, but we can do all of those religious things and have a heart that is very far from the heart of God. And that's what we see with, with Jonah. And God is always warning us not to fall into the error of thinking that our external religion is, uh, uh, is true religion. And it's not to say that our, our actions and our deeds don't matter. Of course they do. But when we begin to think that my religious observance is what God wants for, uh, if my heart is far from him, I mean, Jonah is a prophet. If you think sort of, uh, uh, you know, your own sort of imagination of who's, who's going to be, you know, high up there with God, you think, well, he's a prophet. But his heart is so far from the Lord in such fundamental ways. He, he's devout, but he had a different agenda for his own life than God had for him. And so when God calls him and says, this is what I want you to do, he says, no way, and he goes in the other direction. And so, you know, as we go through this, I, I think we need to be asking ourselves, could I be like Jonah? Let's not be too quick to assume, oh yeah, he's a bad dude, but I'm not like that. No, could we be like him? And, and so further we see his heart is, is revealed, not only in that he, you know, he, he's running away from God and, and not wanting to do what God asked him to do, but then the way the story is told Jonah's heart is revealed in stark contrast from, in the first place, the sailors. He gets on a ship to Tarshish, and God uh, is like, no, John, this isn't going to happen. Um, and so God sends a mighty storm that threatens to uh, engulf and sink the ship, and the sailors on board uh, the ship uh, get involved. And, and so we see there that Jonah is more stubborn in his hardness of heart toward God than these sailors who are polytheists, we, uh, ancient Near Eastern pagans, 
and, and then further down in the story, we find that Jonah has more hardness of heart than these wicked, cruel Ninevites that he's sent to preach to. So he, he interacts with these two groups of people, uh, both of whom are groups of people that we might think would be those who are far from God, but, but in each case, they show more of God's compassion and they are more responsive to God than the prophet of God is. And that is one of the great ironies of, of this story of Jonah. Those who would have been considered far from God are more responsive to God than the one who would have been considered close to God. And so the when, when he's on the boat and he it says he goes down into the inner part of the ship and he, and he lies down and he's fast asleep and this mighty tempest on the sea that is threatening to break the ship up and the sailors are afraid it says and, and being polytheists they all begin to cry out to each one to his god and they're lightening the ship but Jonah is in the, in the hold asleep the captain says what do you do what do you think you're doing down here asleep get up call on your god perhaps your god will give a thought to us that we may not perish and so we see a deeper concern for human life on the part of these pagan sailors than, than uh, Jonah has. And, you know, and then when, he, when they say what, when they find out who he is and he's running away from the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land, like, oops, um, they, they're exceedingly afraid. What is this you've done? They knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And, and so when they ask what they should do, he says, well, throw me into the sea, and, and the sea will become calm. But the men rode very hard uh, because they did not want Jonah to perish. So they called to the Lord, oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay not his innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it as uh, pleased you. So they, they finally they pick him up after praying to Jonah's God uh, to spare them. The men feared the Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh, Jonah's God, the covenant God, exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and, and made vows. So these, these pagan sailors prayed to the true God for mercy on their own behalf and on Jonah's behalf. And uh, they showed a compassion uh, both for, for uh, one another's lives, but also for his life, uh, that he, that Jonah doesn't have for, for the Ninevites. And, and so, as you, you know the story, I mean, this is the, the Jonah and the whale, but we're not there. Yeah, we just, don't get toward the end. You can just turn that slide off right now. Thanks for saying. <laughs> uh, toward the, uh, uh, you know, the next thing that happens, of course, is, is that God sends a big fish to swallow uh, Jonah up. God has compassion on Jonah, even though Jonah is displaying such a, a hard heart uh, toward God. And uh, as a result, uh, Jonah comes a little bit. God gets his attention. He, he uh, spits him up on the dry land. And now Jonah is a little bit more compliant. And so when God's call comes upon his life the second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Now Jonah's like, uh, okay, I'll do it. Um, 
So you have Jonah in contrast to the sailors, but then you also have Jonah in contrast to the Ninevites, uh, this violent and cruel people. Um, and the text refers to their wickedness, the, the king of, of Nineveh um, acknowledges their evil ways and the, their violence. And the Ninevites, so Jonah finally goes, and he uh, preaches one of the shortest sermons uh, in, the, in the Bible, uh, where it, basically the sum total of, of the message uh, is, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> uh, perhaps he said more than that, but that's all that the, the, the scripture reports. And the Ninevites, no matter what the failings of the messenger, which are, are many, this case, and this gives some, this, this, I, I mean, he, Jonah's arguably the worst preacher in the Bible, right? And this should give hope to, to all of you as evangelists, um, because for all of his failings, he preaches and they respond. Uh, the people of Nineveh believe his message. I, I just love it. And the people of Nineveh believed God. Um, and the word that, that Jonah, they listen to the message, uh, and they ask God to have mercy on them, and to spare them uh, from destruction. They believe that this is a true word of the Lord, and that it is for them, and that they are indeed a wicked people who need uh, to be rescued from judgment, and so they humble themselves before God in, in hope that he might be gracious to them. And so on the one hand, you have both the, the sailors and the Ninevites, who would have been the, you know, we might say the sinners, who respond to the word of God in a positive way. They believe the message, they believe God, and in response to their faith, God has compassion on them and spares them from calamity and destruction. And on the other hand, you have Jonah, the deeply religious person, Indeed, his whole identity is defined by his, his religious beliefs. He is a prophet, someone who is called to speak for God to the people, in this case to Nineveh. If the Ninevites are the outsiders, Jonah is the insider. If, if they are the wicked, he is the righteous. He's a religious man, a believer, and yet his heart, his desires, and his affections, and his agenda is completely at odds with God's heart. And because he does not see that and he doesn't seem to, to understand his own deep need for rescue, he has no grace toward others and he has no compassion for others. Jonah does not see himself as fundamentally in the same situation as him. I mean, yes, there are many, many differences, but he does not identify with them on any level as people, uh, as a person who is, is fundamentally alienated by God uh, in need of God's grace and mercy. And, and so he is able to sit in judgment upon them without any compassion and without any love. And in fact, he wants, he believes, the good thing would be for God to destroy them he believes they deserve to be destroyed, and he's angry with God. 
because God is, is not destroying them. Jonah's got an anger problem. He's a very angry person. Jonah is, in some ways, emblematic, we might say, of the good person, the moral person, the religious person who sees his own goodness as something that sets him apart from others, that commends him to God, that gives him a privileged status before God. And, and what we need to see is that Jonah, in a different way than the wicked Ninevites, is every bit as alienated from the heart of God as they are. And the irony is that at the end of the story, at the end of the story, the wicked people of Nineveh have repented in some measure and are enjoying God's favor. And self-righteous Jonah is left angry at God, angry at the world, and, and, and alone. You know, many commentators have pointed this out. I don't know if this reminds you of anything uh, from the New Testament. I love the way the Bible, we see certain themes over and over again. This has reminded or called to, to mind for many people the story uh, that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, we, we often call it. It's actually a story about two sons, two brothers. And the one son asks of his father to, to give him his share of the inheritance. He essentially says to his dad, you know, dad, you're taking too long to die. I, I wish you were dead. Give me everything that, that's coming to me. And he leaves and he goes off and squanders it until he finally comes to his senses, realizes his foolishness, and, and goes home prepared uh, to seek mercy from his father. And his father welcomes him back and embraces him as a beloved son. And that parable then goes on. Where does it end? Well, it ends with the older brother, the one who didn't run away, the one who stayed home. The older brother, the righteous brother, uh, it ends with him quarreling with his father and then standing outside alone and angry that his father has had mercy on the wayward brother, that his father has had compassion. And this is not what the gospel calls us to. Over and over again, we see in the scriptures that the, the, the people who often have the hardest hearts toward God are the people who, who believe in their own righteousness. Why? Because people who, who are self-righteous have that, that pride in their own goodness and they fail to see their deep need uh, for the grace of God. Look at this passage that, uh, from Luke as well. There we go. In here? Did I get it in there? Okay, sorry. Um, this is from Luke 18. Jesus tells a story, so you'll recognize this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. It sounds a bit like Jonah. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other, other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. 
but the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, it says. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the one who begged for mercy, rather than the other who thanked God that he was not like others, I tell you, this man went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the, the religious person, the moral person, the self-righteous person does not see himself as someone in need of God's mercy. He's obeying the rules. He's got it all together. He's confident in his own goodness. The tax collector recognizes and acknowledges that's not me, Lord. I need mercy. And elsewhere, you know, Jesus, when he was preaching, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he's not suggesting when he says that, that there are actually some healthy people and who have no need of him. He's saying that there are some who are blind to, to their own need, and so they won't come to him because they don't think they need a doctor. They don't think they need a savior. From God's perspective, both the, the sinner and the righteous, they both have a wrong heart. They, they both need to be confronted. They both need to see their sin and acknowledge it before a holy God and to seek mercy. We are all the same. We are all in need of God's mercy. We are all, as, as, as God says concerning Nineveh, uh, at the, that great city at the very end of the letter, people who do not know our right hand from our left, we are all people in need of grace and mercy. And so finally, we see Jonah's heart not only in his running from the Lord and in contrast to the sailors and the Ninevites, but we we finally, we see Jonah's heart revealed in contrast to the very heart of God. I mean, we haven't really talked about God yet, but it's clear ultimately that God is the central figure of this uh, narrative. He's the one who, who exerts himself for the good, who, who says to Jonah, go and preach to them. He, he's the one who emerges from this account as so patient, supremely patient, Jonah, um, who is ready to show compassion even at the slightest sign of repentance. We don't know what these sailors understood about who they were praying to. We don't know what the nature of the Ninevites' belief was, but God responds to their, to their, to their uh, calling upon him and seeking mercy. And, and even Jonah himself when he's explaining to God why he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place, uh, Jonah says, well, that's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. God, the reason I didn't want to preach to the Ninevehs is I knew you were a God of mercy. Wow. 
And, and so what we see is that God is a God of compassion. God's heart is bound up in people and in their well-being and in rescuing them from destruction. God has compassion for these pagan sailors and for Jonah. God wants to save both Nineveh and Jonah. And by contrast, of course, Jonah has no compassion. As the story ends, Jonah's heart, what's it all wrapped up in? It's wrapped up in this little vine, you know, that God, God gives him and it grows up. And, you know, Jonah's been so unhappy all this time. And now it says Jonah is exceedingly glad because of the plant. <laughs> You know, the message, the message of the gospel is that, is that a God who is rich in mercy has demonstrated his compassion for us and his abounding love for mankind in sending his beloved son for us to take upon himself our wickedness, whether we are, you know, immoral, unrighteous people like the Ninevites or moral and upright people like Jonah to take upon himself our sin that we might be forgiven. And the people who really grasp that message and the reality of it in their own lives, who receive it gladly, those are people who are filled not with pride, but with humility and with grace toward others because they realize I have been forgiven. God has shown me compassion beyond anything I could ever deserve. And those people come from, from both the Ninevites of the world and, and from the Jonas of the world. And in the end, what, what, what they all have in common is a sense of wonder in understanding that we are worse than we ever knew and more loved than we can ever comprehend. And so at the end of this story, we see Jonah's heart and we see the heart of God in this stark and shameful contrast. Jonah has more compassion for a little plant than he does for a whole city of hundreds of thousands of people that are in danger of being destroyed. And so we have to ask again, could we be like Jonah? It bothers me the, the degree to which I see myself. My, my sense of you know, happiness can be so wrapped up in my own little petty concerns. And I think, what is the heart of God for the world? And maybe I'm not hoping everybody's going to perish, but maybe I'm also just not really paying much attention. So let's, let's just do a couple of implications as we wrap up. Uh, well, don't try to run away from God. Don't imagine for a minute that you can oppose God and it's going to turn out well for you. But I love how patiently and persistently God pursued Jonah. And God longs for you and he longs for your heart wherever you are tonight. Another implication is, is that there is more than one way to be lost. And I think we've seen that. But we all are in desperate need of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we need as well, even in a room of mostly people, I think, who would 
call themselves believers in Christ. We need to recognize that, that we need to encourage one another in this. And every day, as, as the writer of the Hebrews says, as long as it's still called today, that none of us would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. A third thing that we see uh, throughout Scripture is that we have been blessed of God that we might be a blessing to others. God didn't intend for the nation Israel to receive all that blessing and then just to say, ah, this is ours, you know, you guys can all perish. Jonah challenges us with God's saving mercy toward the nations. The gospel is not only for insiders, however you define that, but for outsiders like you and me. And part of Israel's failure was, was this ethnocentrism. We need to examine ourselves whether we fall into that kind of same pattern. A fourth implication is that judging in a judgmental spirit blocks compassion. The central theme of Jonah is that God is a God of compassion. And in my experience, two people, two kinds of people who are sometimes lacking in compassion for others are people who are very devout in their Christian faith and also people who are very smart. Uh, <laughs> finally, you and I may be this comes back to the question, could we be like Jonah? You and I may be one of the biggest obstacles to the advancement of God's message of salvation to the world. I don't imagine that any of us would be hoping for the destruction of the wicked in the same hateful way that Jonah did. But, but I think we need to ask ourselves this. Has the word of the Lord come to us? Have we been called by the Lord? Have we been commissioned to the Lord uh, to do the Lord's will as his messengers? I was reminded of, of these words of Jesus. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, John 20, as the Father sent me, so send I you. He said, in the Gospel of Luke, repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations. He said at the end of the uh, report at the end of the Gospel of Mark, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, you shall be my witnesses. How are we responding to of the Lord that has come to us and how are we responding to God calling and commissioning us as his servants are we guilty in our own way of running the other way what are the reasons that you are not more faithful as a, as a messenger and as a servant for Christ you know a final thought comes to me with regard to, to Jonah, and that is this. It is not judgmental to preach the gospel. It is judgmental not to preach the gospel. And that's what we see 
Jonah refuses to direct people to the hope of mercy, which is in Jesus Christ. Let's not be like Jonah. Thank you, Father, for this word that continues to stir my heart so deeply because I see, sadly, uh, myself in Jonah in too many ways. And I pray, Father, that as we consider your great compassion, the compassion that you have shown us in Christ, that we would be gracious and eager to lead others to our Savior. Thank you, we pray, Christ's name. Amen. Amen.